Hi, this is Helen, and thank you for joining me for a cup of teal. Teal is shorthand for the future of work. It means bringing your whole self to work, a focus on purpose and self-management. And this podcast is a chat over a cup of tea with the people who are making this happen in health, care and public services. Stories of self-management in action. In this podcast, we explore how self-managing teams in supported living are responding to the COVID-19 crisis. We hear from teams across the world in the UK and New Zealand. First of all, we hear from Mandy, who's a new coach supporting some of the early teams in choice support who are exploring greater self-direction. And she shares stories with us about a dog, a caravan and a different way to use a garden. Choice support are pioneering ways to explore greater autonomy in teams and to enable people to do their best work. And I know, Mandy, that you're supporting one of the first teams that's moving in that direction. Could you explain a bit about the team and what your role is with this team? They're a team of nine members of staff. They were a team that had lots of difficulties when I first joined. Uh, very, they, were, they were seen in a very negative light. So we, just, we decided, shall we give them the challenge? Let's look at this team and see if this team can, can stand up uh, and be noticed for the right reasons. And they were very, very keen on day one when we talked about this. They all had an option to vote in or vote out and every single member voted in. They liked the idea of having more autonomy, more control, uh, shifting that control from a manager to themselves. And then they've gone through a series of team days and through that we've looked at different aspects of self-directed teams. So we've looked at purpose. The main focus to start with was what is the purpose? Why are they there? What is it they're doing? When they finally got that, which it actually wasn't very long before they decided on what the purpose was, we looked at team rules. So they set up some team agreements and they all agreed to that. It was something they all committed to. And I think by doing that, they became real. They meant something to the team as opposed to this is what you will do. This is how you will do it. And they also talked a lot around the values. And what came out was they did share a lot of the same values. And what this has enabled them to do is to put those values into practice. So they're they're, they're sort of living the values. For me, it was initially... I was very excited about it, but still unclear because it's something you have to experience to be able to really, really know what it's about. You have to go through that. A lot of the time I struggled because I felt I needed to fix it. I needed to fix what it was that we're trying to sort out, you know, and I was having to take a step back because my initial instinct was, let's get it done. I'll, I'll help them with this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was a struggle for me. I have changed very much from a managing to coaching so it's about mentoring giving that support being there knowing that there's somebody there for them when they need some advice or they're needing a little bit of direction but the the most important thing is I don't take over I'm not the one that's running the show they're the ones that are running the show. So how did the team look at the roles and functions that you used to have as the manager and decide how they were going to make sure they happened? What we did, we had a day specifically aside for that. So I I came to this team day with a list of my tasks. So I came with a list of tasks 
and it was quite enlightening to see this list because a lot of the things were duplicated and, and the, the team picked up on that straight away. Well, why are you doing that there? Because you do it there. Why are you doing that? And then what they did, we talked through each of those tasks. The self-directed team's about tapping into people's strengths and the talents and you know what are they good at. So we instantly had Sue naturally said, oh, I could do that. I can do that. I can do that. Some of the others weren't quite sure where they fit into that, but eventually we worked it through. And then what I've done once everybody agreed who was doing what, who was going to be responsible for what, I then spent some time with them and I coached them into that task and showed them what to do, how to do it. So they've then taken on those tasks. And then COVID hit. So, you know, obviously nobody was anticipating that, certainly not setting up self-managing teams and expecting this to happen. How did the team respond? What were the first things that they needed to, to figure out with the people they support? I think, first of all, to say that they really did throw them into the deep end. It was nobody expected this. But they, I think the first thing they were considering was that the four people that the support would normally go out every day to, to activity centres, to, to like a day, day centre, that stopped overnight. Mm-hmm. They were very concerned about how they would fill the time, how, how they would cope with that. So the first focus was on, on the individuals and they started exploring. That's where the dog came into it. That's where they looked at craft arts. We've got some uh, members of the team who were very creative. So they put their skills into, into practice. Uh, they, they've got some sewing kits. One of the ladies who the support said to one of the other staff I'll show you how to do that so she's taught one of the team members how to do this embroidery set I think the main focus was about engaging and keeping the health and well-being of the people the support you know intact but then it, it became where they started to realize hang on how are we going to get medication how are we going to get the money from the bank how are we going to get these things that we normally go out to do and support them to do so then they sat and they got together and they worked out how they were going to do that so what the works in a very methodical way really in a very very direct and clear they knew that they needed to do something there was no time to think about it they needed to act so I think what, what came from that about the self-directed work they were doing was that what they realised was it's, it's, it enabled them to do these things quickly without having to seek authority, permission, uh, decisions by other people, which then by the time it's filtered down can be a few days later. Or, so I think that was one of the things that they said it really enabled them to do was make the decisions here and now. What I'm particularly looking at is whether you've seen a difference in how this team has managed the challenges around COVID compared to perhaps other teams that you've worked with in the past? We had a lady who, they did a check-in with her and they decided we're going to ask our people's mental health is today. Mm-hmm. And she said she felt isolated because she lived in a flat. She lives in a flat, an upstairs flat, no ground floor space, no garden. And they wanted to fix it for her. They wanted to do something. So they spoke to the people that live at the property. We've had the lovely sunshine. They've got the garden. And, and it was decided, everybody agreed that she could come on a day's off and spend some time in the garden, enjoying the sunshine. And for a mental health, that was immense. So is this a team member or somebody you support? It was a team member, sorry, who, who was feeling isolated because she was le- she'd leave work, she'd go home. And she said she just felt totally isolated on a day's off. She just felt there's no one to talk to and, and it was affecting, there'd been a dip in her mental health. Mm-hmm. So it, it, what she does now on a day's off, she pops 
around the garden and she sits and has a chat with them and it's just it's just boosted her mental health it's it's really really improved her mental health and that shows that how they've connected the care and compassion they're now showing each other and for the member of staff who felt psychologically safe to say I'm not feeling good at the moment my mental health's not good no that's brilliant yeah they would never have done that before and that that would be seen as breaking some perceived boundaries about professional boundaries and separating work and home life yeah and it would be it, it's the thing of would this have happened before and the answer's no no right at the very beginning of lockdown loads of uncertainty so we we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't know how it would look how would lockdown would look whether people were, were all naturally going to get the virus so this member of staff decided that she had a touring caravan that's sitting on a drive at home and if it came that during lockdown they'd need to isolate with the people that they support that this would give that space for the staff member to go and sleep in and so she arranged for her husband and they brought the caravan it's on the drive and I just saw that as a very from this member of staff's point of view I think it was a really good example of her making a decision that was with the best intentions it was for the right reasons and I think that's what the difference is now they're making decisions that are not necessarily decisions they would have made before because they would have seen it as breaking the rules and, and, and shifting boundaries but now they sort of they ask why and and you know why did why can't we do that why can't we do this we're doing it for the right intentions it's for the right reasons and now they're running with it and I think that's what's really changed so you're seeing a big difference in the self-managed team using their initiative and focusing on the people that they support and coming up with ideas about what might be the right thing to do in these difficult times and, and just going for it rather than being too afraid to ask somebody whether it was a good idea or not. Exactly. I think, again, that, that's, that's flowing now throughout everything they're doing, that they've got this energy about them that's, you know, let's go for this. They're working it out together. Brilliant. One of the team members has a little dog, a Shih Tzu called Lulu, often showed photographs to the people we support, uh, shared stories about Lulu. We're all very, very interested. And what it did with the people we support, some of them were talked about their childhood and the dogs that they had as children or part of the family, what they used to do and which they loved them. Uh, and then one day they were just sat together and this member of the team mentioned the dog again and one of the other team members said, well, why don't you bring her in? Let's all meet her instead of seeing her in a photograph. So the people that, that live there as well, they were like, oh yeah, please, please, please bring her in. So the very next day she did, she brought Lulu in and, and the most absolutely cute little Shih Tzu dog. And the way that they've connected with the dog has been amazing. Every one of the team, people that are supporting, absolutely adore this little dog. And I think what, again, they're proud of is that they've moved boundaries again, because that would have been a definite no, unless it was a, an authorised pet dog, you know, a therapy dog, and there was no way you could bring a dog to her. And now Lulu's become part of their family. She is somebody who they look forward to seeing absolutely love it the, the member of staff does sleepovers Lulu does the sleepover with her now so she's there when they're going to bed they get up the next morning the first person well, the first thing they want to see is Lulu so it's been again a really a really good example of you know what let's do what we think is the right thing 
So Mandy, you've shared three examples there of bringing a dog into work to help relieve isolation and um, boredom, I guess, about an innovative idea to bring a caravan onto the drive to support staff in case of of isolation, self-isolation. And the other example was around using the shared space. So a staff member worried about their well-being, discussing it all together and being able to use the garden of the people we support. Now, what if some people are listening to this thinking, well, that's just great support, isn't it? Isn't that happening everywhere in choice support? What would you say? I would say there the, the probably are pockets of you know great support, but I think the difference being is that nobody at any point has come to me who, who before this self-directed working was their designated line manager. Nobody has come to me and said, is it okay if we do this or this or this? They've come to me to say, this is what we've all discussed, this is what everybody's agreed, and this is what we're doing. And I think that's the difference, that one, they've got the confidence to make decisions. The other thing is that they're asking the why now, instead of just saying, well, we can't do that because we can't. They now want to know, well, why can't we do that? So they're challenging, and they've got got the confidence to challenge. I think that's the difference. They, They are making those decisions without the permission, if you like, of somebody else. And we know that as a registered service, um, there are some non-negotiables that cannot happen from a CQC perspective or from the law's perspective. Are you confident that the team members know where the hard boundaries are? Yeah, what, what we did a lot of focus on in the initial stages, because again, I think with teams traditionally, they, they do certain parts of the role and there are certain elements they're not clear on. So what, what we do, and we focus on this a lot, is they've agreed a purpose so they know what the purpose is or why they're there what is the purpose they set some uh, team agreements that they set collectively so they know about the team agreements and everything they do is around the values so they live in the values but equally with that is what we've tried to generate within the team is the understanding of there are certain things that are non-negotiable so when they're doing something they will ask themselves is it meeting our purpose is it meeting contractual requirements? Is it meeting regulatory requirements? And is it lawful? And it's, it's completely put a different perspective on things. And an example of that is it was a very simple thing around um, mandatory training. You know, they, they had no onus on that. But, you know, it used to be me that said, you've got some training due, this needs to be done by whichever date. Now they've decided as a team, they're monitoring each other. Because what they realise now is that if one of them is not up to date with mandatory training, they're all affected, they're all non-compliant. And it's completely shifted that responsibility and accountability from me as the previous manager now to them as a team, as a, self, as a self-managed team. One of the things that other team members that I've been talking to have been wrestling with is how do you make decisions about changes to rotors or rosters and the really practical day-to-day stuff? Now, often this is left to managers. How is it happening with this team? Rotor has been one of the major difficulties that, that they experienced to start with. Yes, I did the rotors initially, and then we gradually started to talk about the team doing that, which they started working on. But then we were finding that you know, some weren't agreeing with it. It would cause intentions. And I think they've had five attempts now with different ways of looking at it. But they've done it 
it's not been me that said this is what you need to do this is how you need to do it they've worked it out themselves so they've had tensions meetings they've discussed it and they've got there they've finally got there but I am talking nine months from start to finish but they've finally got there where they're all happy with how it's working whereas before they were like so they're like she's doing more weekends I'm not doing this she's got more sleep she's going to get more pay and so it was all these things but they've now worked it out between themselves so it's proved that it can be done they've just got to figure it out and do you have any other examples of some of the things that have had to happen differently because of the COVID pandemic and the way team members have responded to that in this team? Yes, I think the, there's been quite a few. It's, it's the day-to-day running of the house because they've not been able to get medications in the normal way that they would. They've not been able to finances because the people have been shielded to do the supporting. So there's been problems. They've not been able to get to access banks. So they've completely rethought it. And they've actually made that work. They've looked at local, source local food for delivery um, instead of having to sort of go out to supermarkets. They've completely rethought everything through. And what's been really refreshing to see is that they've done it and it's worked. And they're actually really proud of that because it's something that they've never done before. And I don't think they believed they could do that. So that's one part that they've been really proud of. And given that you've been a manager for a long time in choice support, what would you expect to happen traditionally with other teams? Are these the the things that managers would have got involved with and sorted out rather than the team doing it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything that I'm talking about, the tasks, the management tasks, the the team themselves have looked at their skills. So they've looked at what am I good at? What are my strengths? And then they've taken on a lot of those tasks and that, again, they're, they're very, very proud of being able to do that. And it really does show that a lot of what a traditional manager does, they actually don't need to do. Give people the responsibility and the accountability, and they're quite capable of just getting on and doing it. So, Mandy, we've, we've heard some stories about some of the things that the team have done differently, very differently, um, to how they may have responded before. What's your final reflections on the difference you're noticing in how a self-directed team is responding to the crisis compared to other teams? And, and what do the team say about it? I think the one thing I've noticed is the compassion they've shown to each other because it's a very, very difficult period that everybody's going through and experiencing. And that's the one main thing that's really struck me is how they've cared about each other. They, they check in with each other. Are you okay? Do you need anything? And I think that's been a really defining moment for them. They've really, really pulled together. And I think the other thing is that how they've worked it out together they have worked it out so positive and so proactive in getting it done. And they've actually said to me only a couple of days ago, we were having a chat and they actually said, do you know, we were talking the other day and we are so proud of what we've achieved. And, uh, you know, and I said quite rightly so, because I'm proud of what you've achieved because you've proved in a very, very difficult situation that you can do it. Thank you, Mandy. That's really encouraging to hear. Thank you very much. And over in New Zealand, Jan explains how the self-managing teams there are responding differently to the crisis and what that has meant at a whole organisational level. Hi Jan, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me. Please can you remind listeners about where you're from and the organisation that you support? 
I'm Dan from New Zealand and the organisation that we have here is called Tautoko Options and we deliver primarily a supported living service for over 200 people all based on uh, individual plans across the lower half of the North Island and the upper half of the South Island in New Zealand. Lots of people are interested in whether there's any difference in the way self-organising teams are responding to the COVID crisis versus traditional teams. What, what's your view? I really couldn't imagine us coping in the way that we have if we'd been operating on a traditional hierarchical model because of the huge change we've all had to, to face and primarily with suddenly having to move with a matter of days to working remotely, to communicating in, in, in different ways, to adjusting to new rules for society and to try to convey all that information. To have done that in, in a traditional way, I think would have been impossible. But because we were already operating with a series of teams, so we have about 130 members of, of our whole team and we divided into geographical teams we've got 13 different geographical teams and then we also have nine cross organizational teams that have been used to functioning remotely anyway so members of that team will be geographically all over the north and the south island but meeting regularly and um, working to purposes, having roles and accountabilities that they're following and taking different roles in Zoom meetings and communicating via Slack and lots of, you know, just what has become normal practice for self-managing. And so the cross-organisational teams, for them very little changed because yes we had to have more meetings because there was more topics sometimes but that practice was already established and already in place and already gave a sense of unity to the organization and for the geographical teams yes they had been meeting face to face on a regular basis and so they had to switch to having remote meetings but they still had the same meeting structure that they knew about. They still had common purposes and team plans to work to. Most of the people had had some experience of coming to Zoom meetings. Everybody was signed up on Slack channels where they could post and see what other people were posting. So all of that gave us a framework that fitted really well, I think, with the shift that we had to make. So it sounds like you were already using different technology that enabled you to be agile, respond quickly like Zoom and Slack. Was it just that you were familiar with this technology or were there other things that made a difference? No, I think it was the fact that people, when we moved very quickly from level one up to level four and, and major lockdown, people who were working with people as, as direct support had to make decisions really quickly about what every individual needed to be okay during during lockdown so they needed to feel confident that that they could do that and that they had tools and and ways of doing that and 
And, and we have things like our one-page profiles and looking at what's important to and what's important for people. So that was the bedrock, really, you know, like what's going to be important to you and for you in this period. And, and then how can we ensure that happens? And so we had, everybody had to very quickly do a sort of a risk assessment for every individual and, and work out who are the most vulnerable people and, and how we needed to support them. In level four, the highest lockdown stage, we had 33 of our support workers out there doing face-to-face -face still. And so they really needed to feel that there was a team behind them, that there was people that they could communicate with quickly and easily about what was happening. And people had got their backs, basically. And, and people said that we need to know the organisations, you know, got our back. Yeah, the help will be there if we need it. And I think that sense of unity, of shared values, of shared purpose was what enabled people to, to do that. So we've had no crises. We've had no situations where people just didn't cope. It's been quite amazing, really. And I would think also the fact that as a self-managing organisation, we have focused a lot on our values and our purpose and the sense of all being part of one and that we work towards something. And that really has been echoed in the way New Zealand has approached it anyway. So we have a Prime Minister who has talked continuously about the team of five million. And that's been her approach. We're a team of five million that, that are fighting this battle. And so our kind of sense of we're, we're a team of 130 that is doing this work fits very, very well, you know, with, with the flavour and the, the concept of what's happening in, in, in the country. So, and I think you know, the whole messages that have been there throughout COVID about, you know, being kind, again, fits so well with the concept that we've always talked about in terms of the purpose and how we do our work. So in that sense, I think it's been easier, for, a lot easier for us to actually cope with the situation. But the other thing that's that's happened throughout that is that people have stepped forward and become more confident in, in using Zoom. And we have support workers who say, yes, I'll facilitate this meeting. Yes, I'll take the minutes for this meeting. And people are just trying out the skills more, getting more comfortable and, and just stepping forward. One of the things that we were able to do, we have a team that's called the Service Stewards, and that's five of us who have traditionally been in more lead roles within the, the organisation and we have a purpose to, to guide the, the work of the organisation, to guide the mahi of the organisation. And one of our tasks within that is to create an environment that supports the well-being of everyone. And so our role was quite clearly that we needed to kind of do a lot of thinking quickly about how we could do that through COVID. And we immediately thought, okay, well, we can't do this as one team on our own but we have a health and safety team and, and their role is to actually make sure that we were actually adhering to the, to the guidelines that have been set for health and safety and that our policies are there and our processes and that people know what they are and, and how to use them. So we thought, okay, we'll just combine teams. That became our COVID response team. And so there's 16 people on that team and we've been meeting at least weekly, sometimes more than once weekly throughout this period 
and that team has a mix of support workers, team leaders, service administration people, in service stewards. So there's a, a real good mix cross-section and geographically as well across, across both islands. And it's just amazing how in a one-hour meeting we can actually make decisions about, okay, this is the information that people need, who's going to put that out, when is it going out, now we need an easy read. Who can do that? For example, we're moving tomorrow to level two, and that's a big shift. And so we got the guidelines came out yesterday. Well, we got one set of guidelines yesterday, which were the guidelines for the whole of the the country and business. But it was, okay, well, how do we interpret that in terms of our practice starting in a couple of days' time? And so a really good discussion and, oh, so many different opinions about masks and do we wear masks, do we not wear masks and you know, uh, what advice do we give and what if a person says we're not safe without a mask. Yeah, so lots of tricky interpretations to think about. And then somebody said, well, we need an easy read. When people are asking questions now, we need an easy read now. So without any prompting, a team leader from the North Island said, I could have a look at that in the afternoon in a support worker in the South Island said, what time have you got? I'll Zoom with you, we'll do it together. And so the two of them did an easy read overnight. And when I looked this morning, they'd posted it on Slack at 7.15 this morning, ready for our 8.30 meeting for people to look at. And so that's you know just an example of how within self-managing, People can just step forward, take on roles, use their talents, make things happen. Thank you. That captures it beautifully. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you giving up your time at this particular moment when there's so much going on and you're having to make big changes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your reflections. Please tweet me. I'm at Helen at WB Teams. This podcast is a companion to Open Teams. On this podcast, we share the voices and stories of pioneering organizations in health, care, and public services. And on Open Teams, you can see the documents that they're using. Have a look at openteams.co.uk. And if you're interested in wellbeing teams, please come and find me on LinkedIn, where I share a weekly two-minute film, or my blog site, helensanderson.net. And finally, if you're interested in self-management and need some support along the way, I'd love to hear from you. I'm at helen at wellbeingteams.org. Thank you.